The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Our teens need more support and encouragement than ever before. We need to show them that there are so many accomplishments in their lives that are just waiting to be discovered. This is the Dr. Stem Show with Dr. Stem Malatini. We want teens today to feel valued in their schools, homes, and in the community. The Dr. Stem Show will give the voiceless a voice and the hopeless hope. Now, here is Dr. Stem. Good afternoon and welcome to another segment of the Dr. Stamp Show. We have another interesting, supportive topic that we're going to be talking about today. But before I tell you all about it, let me welcome our guest, Dr. Donna Volpeda, to the show. Welcome, doctor. Thank you very much. What I wanted, yeah, what I wanted to do was just to introduce the show again for those of you that are listening in for the first time. Uh, the purpose of our show is to be able to be supportive to not only the teenagers but to the parents, the teachers, and all those people in the community that are in touch or in contact with the teenagers. So it's more of an empowerment show, an educational, motivational, and inspirational show. The one thing that most of you probably are not aware of is we run by sponsorship that sponsors have to pay for this show. So we are looking for more sponsors if you're looking and listening out there. And this show has been a benefit to you or can be a benefit to all the schools that you know of, the teenagers that you know of. Please contact me, Dr. Stem Malatini at gmail.com or you can just Google Dr. Stem show and my contact information will be there because we are looking for more sponsors so that this show can continue to come on air every Tuesday and bring in different guests that are as good as our guests that you're here today who have authored books that are speaking in the communities that most of you might not have an opportunity to learn about, to know about, unless if they come on the doctor's store. So I want to continue to bring this show to you, but I'm looking for sponsors that will be able to keep the show alive every Tuesday. Tuesday. Today's show is uh, Building Resilience Through Everyday Challenges. And resilience is that some of the difficulties that we face every day. And I will have Dr. Volpeter during the show to describe what she terms as the new description of what resiliency is. But who is Dr. Volpeter? She's a leading expert in the field of resilience education, drawing on the latest research that she's doing right now on neurology, psychology, and education. She teaches practical strategies for people to use every day challenges to build resilient skills. Practical is the key that I want us to remember when we're doing this show today. She is the co-author of the book, The Resilience Formula, which is a guide to proactive, not reactive parenting and co-creator of the NEMTAGS education program. Don't worry about it. She will explain everything what the NEMTEGS education program is about and what that is all about. But she did the co-authoring with one of the renowned bully experts, Dr. Joel Haber. 
who is a clinical psychologist, and he is nationally recognized as a parenting expert who has dedicated more than 20 years to the prevention of abusive behaviors in children and adults. The topic today, we decided based on that book that they both wrote, The Resilience Formula, A Guide to Proactive Not Parenting. And this, she says, when I asked her to describe what this segment will be about, Dr. Valpeter said, everyone faces challenges. Our resilience is how we respond to those challenges, which is guided by our understanding of the four S's. I'm excited to know about the four S's as well when she comes on the show and talks about them. But she says the four S's are self, situation, supports, and strategies. Unfortunately, she says, our neurological reaction to challenge is often counterproductive to framing these four S's in a way that is resilient. I would like to talk a bit about how the brain works, is what she says, and why we have that reaction, how to stop the reaction, and how to use the four S's as a framework to use challenges as opportunities to build resilience. If this was a mouthful for you and you're listening in, don't worry about it because we have a whole hour for Dr. Bopeda to discuss and make sure that she simplifies all this information for all of you listeners that are out there. Once again, Dr. Bopeda, welcome to the Dr. Stem Show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know it it did seem like a (laughs) mouthful, didn't it? (laughs) As as I'm reading it, I am just imagining somebody listening in and going, what are you talking about? Yes. <laughs> and really, the irony is, is that what we've done is really take stuff and make it very simple. Um, yes. So it's really easy once it's, once it's clarified. Well, let's start there because you say that our natural reaction to challenge is counterproductive, you know, to building the resiliency that we need. So maybe you can explain why and start there to simplify it for the listeners. Let's let's start off a little bit with resilience because exactly. when we when we look at challenge, we can we can understand um, the natural reaction. So I define resilience as our response to any challenge. So it's not just a big trauma that happens. It can be how do we respond to even waking up in the morning, getting out of bed. Um, for little kids, it's, it's getting to school. How do they respond to their academic challenges? How do they respond to the challenge of losing a soccer game? Um, and then as, as kids get, get older, those challenges grow and, and get in some ways more difficult for them. Do I get into the car with a drunken driver? Do I go to the party? So any challenge that we face, we need resilience to handle it. Um, So the way I define resilience is how do we respond to any challenge? And when we do face a challenge, our brain has sort of... um, an emotional response. And there's a part of our brain that is right next to the limbic system or the emotional center. So when we have, um, have strong emotions, it triggers that response. And that is a reaction to the challenge. Very often it might be a survival. Um, and I have a model of resilience where we look at the brain as uh, David DeSteno looked at our character 
and likened it instead of typically we think of character as an angel and a devil, right? Either the devil made me do it or the angel (laughs) kept me from doing it. Yes. Well, instead of that, he says, you know, what we really have is we have an ant and a grasshopper. The ant looks out for our long-term goals, and this is based on Aesop's fables of the ant and the grasshopper, and the ant thinks thinks about the long-term. He gets ready for wintertime, stores away food. So the ant of of our brain, which is really our prefrontal cortex, is thinking about our long-term survival. Mm-hmm. But our grasshopper is looking out for our short-term survival. Neither one is good, neither one is bad. They're both necessary. But that grasshopper is really a survival instinct. And that gets triggered when we face challenge. So we're not always looking out for our long-term interest. We're looking out for our short-term interest. And that sort of triggers that fight-or-flight reaction in our yes. body. It gets us angry. It makes us, it makes us emotional. And challenges, particularly parenting challenges, often it's not really helpful when we're in grasshopper mode. Think about teens when they hit their grasshopper mode and parents hit their grasshopper mode. Those grasshoppers fight one another. They're not thinking about the long-term relationship. So they can really do damage to that relationship. I'm I'm thinking as you're talking now, is this... um... The subconscious and conscious, is that what was trying to be clarified here? Because then I'm thinking the subconscious is in a survival mode as the grasshopper. Would it be the same? or I don't really think of it as subconscious and conscious because we can make ourselves conscious okay. of that fight or flight. It's okay. just bringing that awareness in and saying, you know what, this is what triggered my grasshopper. I know that when my teenager um, comes in late and ignores me, (laughs) that really gets my grasshopper going. So rather than letting that happen, it's a consciousness about, you know what, and this is where we go back to the four S's, okay? You, You mentioned them, but I'll mention them again here, that in any of those challenges, our response is guided by our understanding of ourself the way we judge the situation, our support structures, and our strategies. Those are those four S's. So when we're in that situation, the self is the part of recognizing that, you know what, right now I'm in grasshopper mode. So I need to, and the situation is, this is what triggered my grasshopper. And there's a gentleman, David Rock, out of the Neuroleadership Institute, who yes. came up with a what he called the scarf model of the social triggers for, for that fight-or-flight reaction. And scarf stands for status. So if our status is threatened, we go grasshopper. Okay. Um, C is certainty. Okay. A is autonomy. R is relatedness. And F is fairness. And when we think about our interactions with teens... If we think about how often we're triggering those responses, we have a lot of teens that are in grasshopper mode a lot of the time. Yes. Yeah. So the F was for fairness, you said. Fairness. Fairness. So if, if, they, if we feel just this is our natural human response, if we feel like something is unfair, yes. we trigger 
our grasshopper reaction. We trigger a fight-or-flight reaction. And it's natural. It's neurological. And it's learning to control that 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 is the resilience formula. That's what I work on, on how to use those smaller challenges to build up that resilience and that awareness to respond in a proactive way rather than react and rather than be in our grasshopper mode. Wow. So what I want to do, this is really good information, really good information. What I want to do is, and and, and I think what's going to work, especially if we're trying to redefine this for the parents, is the more examples like you gave, you know, in the first segment that we can give the parents, you know, um, my daughter, my son coming in late, I know that is going to trigger my grasshopper. And how do I stop that reaction is excuse me, is probably going to be helpful to the parents. So we will take a quick break and we'll come back and continue to talk to Dr. Volpeda, who is the author of the book, The Resilience Formula, A Guide to Proactive, Not Reactive Parenting. And she's also the co-creator of the NameTags Education Program. We will be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. How much difficulty do you have getting your employees or your customers to listen to the solutions you can offer? This may be one of the great frustrations in business. It's time to excel. Dr. Stem now offers solutions with her Soft Skills Leadership Training Program and the Women's Executive Leadership Training Program. To reserve your seat in one of her coaching sessions, purchase her books, or to book her services, email her at drstemmalatini at gmail.com or go to her website at www.drstem.org. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers, the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmalatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. At the beginning of my show every day, I always have a commercial that says the challenges that are facing our teenagers today require us to be more supportive of the teenagers. But guess what? The challenges that face our parents today, the parents of the teenagers, they are also very, very challenging and need our support. So in support of that today, we have one of the experts uh, parenting, which is Dr. Valpeda, who is helping us with how how you can parent your teenager, you can understand your teenagers. But one of the key things that she says in her book, she asked a question before you even start to read her book, which is the resilience formula, a guide to proactive. She asked the question whether you as a parent are ready 
to make a change to some of the parenting skills, the norms that you know um, of how to parent? Are you ready to be open to changing some of those norms in order to embrace the changes in the teenagers that we are raising today? So in doing so, what I have asked her to do is to talk to me about some examples of what's going on that we know that is reality that happens in your home. So Dr. Valpita, in your book, you mentioned there's a first, the first chapter, I think it was, you had an example that you, you wrote in there that I thought was quite interesting and probably we might start with that example. Which example was that? Can you remind it me? It was, yeah, it was uh, Eric's parents, you know, Eric who was so used to oh. having his iPod and yeah. that was his way of coping. So maybe, you know, tell us a little bit about that because that is, that is so normal for most parents that have a teenager to have an Eric in their home who is so glued to his iPod and that's his everything uh, as a way of coping. Well, that, that ex- particular example was um, so a parent had come to me and talked about her son who she had gone out and left him in charge of his two siblings. Yes. And while they were out, Eric's iPod had fallen in the toilet. Um, and so he called them. Um, he called my friend and she, she couldn't even understand him. He was so upset. And when they got home, they realized that he had he had really gone and destroyed a lot of things in the house. He was so angry about what had happened with his iPod falling in the toilet, and he didn't know what to do because he knew it was ru- he figured it was probably ruined. Yeah. And so, because his response was to destroy things, there his parents got home. They were upset. He was upset. They screamed at one another, and then eventually. Eric ran out, and the parents just thought he was just going out for a, a few minutes or they didn't know what was going to happen. Half an hour later, um, they got a call that he was about three miles down the road, um, and he had run. It was 11 o'clock at night. He was barefoot, and it was in January in Connecticut, so it was very cold. He was barefoot, and he had just had so much energy that he ran away. Um, and so. That is an example of reaction. Challenge is the iPod falls in the toilet. Challenge for the parents are they come home and the the house is, you know, pretty much ransacked. Um, And in both cases, their grasshopper was triggered. As soon as the iPod fell in the toilet, the um, the son Eric what, got very upset. His his grasshopper is triggered. His parents come home. They're angry. Their grasshopper is triggered. And when two grasshoppers are triggered, they will fight or they will flight. And in this, we saw both. They fought one another, and then Eric ran away. And he he could have gotten himself into a lot of trouble. Luckily, he didn't, and it worked out okay. But we talked about how can we be proactive about this type of thing rather than getting into that situation and being reactive. And one of the things to note, first off, is being able to recognize when we're in grasshopper mode or when our kids are in grasshopper mode and recognize that when you both are, you will fight or flight. Those are your choices. You don't have the response of being logical. So we have this neurological reaction. 
So what we can do is trigger ourselves to get away and calm down and get back into the ant, get back into the thinking mode and and thinking long-term. So being able to, and I talk about triggering a reaction and being able to recognize what are those triggers that trigger the grasshopper and what can we do to trigger the ant. Um, And in that particular case, the parents talked to Eric and they eventually actually um, put a tent outside because they knew that he had a lot of energy when he got angry and they put um, drumsticks in the tent. And so rather than getting angry at one another, they, they gave him the power to say, I need to calm down. I need to go to the tent and have a space that he could go let off that energy, think about it, and then come back when he was ready to talk to them. So here's, here's, here's the question that I'm thinking a parent is thinking out there. Okay, they come home, the house is destroyed. And we are saying, well, you know what? With Eric, they had a tent. I'm assuming that the tent was something that hopefully they had discussed when they were not in the heat of the moment and said, this is what we'll do. And agreed upon it that he he knows when he's in the grasshopper mode that he's going to go to the tent rather than them walking in, seeing all this destruction and then saying, out to the tent. You're going to go right. to the tent. <laughs> right? Exactly. This is a yeah. proactive, when they're calm, coming up yes. with, okay, this is the type of thing that triggers your grasshopper, triggers you to be really angry. And when you're angry, you have a lot of energy. That is actually neurochemicals that are being released. It's a natural response that we have a chemical reaction when we're emotional. And it's it's really, it's... um in our nature so that we could run away from the tiger when we were, you know, cave people. It, it gets us to be able to run away. It's a protection. But we have to get that out. We have to have a way of releasing that energy. And a lot of the time when younger kids are crying or when teenage girls are crying, that is often getting out, releasing that chemical. They have too much of that neurochemical in their body and that releases it. And we get so angry at them. And really what it is, is this is a good response. It's learning how to do it appropriately and learning how to get rid of that energy in an appropriate way. Um, so yes, it was, it was a discussion with them and, and they discussed with Eric, okay, this is a spot that you can go. And that would have kept him from ransacking the house. If he had, if he had known a proper way to get rid of that energy and get rid of that anger, if he had had an, an appropriate way of doing that, um, I want to give you another example because uh, I'd like to get through a, a couple of different examples of this. One is so often we look at a situation uh-huh. and we make assumptions um, yes. that what we're seeing is really what is happening. One day, and I'll give you my own example from my son. Um, my son was really angry one day because he had a friend who was supposed to come over and he didn't. And his siblings had friends over and he was really angry, but he wasn't able to recognize why. And so he started sort of getting into their stuff and being really, really annoying. Um, and so normally the normal reaction and my, my reaction, first reaction would have been to say, stop stop doing that, you know, stop trying to get into their stuff, stop trying to annoy them. But instead, I was able to say, you know what, 
he feels like this is unfair. He knows logically that it's not, that his friend just couldn't come over. But it still feels to his grasshopper like it's unfair. So I pulled him back and I said, you know what? You're angry right now and you're angry because you feel like this is unfair, even though you know it's not. So you've got energy right now. You've got to figure out something to do with it and I'm not going to let you take it out on your siblings. And he was able to say, I, I mean, he didn't do it really well, but he said, you know, he made a choice. He said, I'm sleeping outside. I said, yeah. okay. It was pouring outside, but that's fine. But yes. by the time he was able to get back to that aunt, which um, planning the overnight and packing his bag, by the time he was done packing his bag, his aunt was back in control of his brain. And he was able to say, you know what? I'm not sleeping outside. Yeah. But he got rid of the anger. One thing that I like as well that you say in your book, and I'll quote from your book on page 10, you say the patterns that we set of parenting that we set early on a child's life can have a significant effect on how that child will deal with situations from the mundane to the dangerous in the future. Mm -hmm. And could you elaborate on that part as well, please? One of the things that we're finding now is that we have what they're referring to as the teacup generation, kids who have never learned how to deal with challenges, and they, then they go away to college and they shatter like teacups because they've <laughs> never had to deal with challenges on their own, yes. and they've never learned. If we use everyday challenges, if we use um, you know, cleaning up after yourself, cleaning your room, doing, doing chores, learning how to handle challenges, everyday challenges through those four S's as kids are growing up. Our goal is to get them to be independent. And resilience is about being independent, being able to take, take yourself and, and, and handle those challenges, whatever they are, set the goals, set the challenges, and meet them. Um, the teacup generation is not able to do that. And yes. I talk every day to people who are employers who are seeing kids graduate from college who have no idea how to handle a challenge. Yes. Yes. And it's scary. Yes. It is scary. It is scary. And I also like the way that you say, which is very true, that they don't have an inclination on delayed gratification on how they can, you know, react to mom and dad or anybody saying no to them. Mm -hmm. they, they can't deal with that. Well, and one of the things that we can go back to on that, and maybe we need to go to the next segment, but is to talk about the ant and the grasshopper and really making conscious decisions of when we're feeding each. Because when we're constantly meeting our kids' needs without having them delay gratification, yes. we are really feeding that part of the brain that's the grasshopper. You know, let me go, prepare to go on break. But as I go on break, for all of you parents out there, I really, really recommend this book highly. Because as we talk about parenting, this new generation of teenagers, which we call the Generation Y, and the good doctor has called this you know, generation the teacup generation, it is so good for us to learn what are the symptoms, what is it that we expect. She says in her book, why are they called the teenagers? 
teenage generation because these kids are so fragile that as soon as something goes wrong, they shatter like teacups. And that's quite interesting. How do we deal with that shattering? How do we prepare them not to shatter like teacups when they go to college or when they grow up and they become adults that are working in a company that a boss tells them to do something and instead of them overreacting, that they become proactive. This is what we're talking about today with Dr. Donna of Opera. We will take another quick break and we will be right back. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. As a youth motivational speaker, author, and coach, Dr. Stem understands that in a world where today's youth and parents are jaded and disappointed by institutions and people they perceive as out of touch with the reality of their lives, motivation is a dose that is much needed. It's time to excel. Dr. Stem Malatini is a refreshing change from the typical speaker. Dr. Stem understands the pressures, heartaches, temptations, hopes, and dreams of the generation that is just now coming of age. Students listen in transfixed silence as she speaks with the clarity and confidence of someone who has worked with teens, parents, and teachers for over 20 years. Her high-energy school assembly programs create a defining moment for schools and provide an experience students never forget. To reserve your seat in one of her coaching sessions, purchase her books, or to book her services, email her at drstemmalatini at gmail.com or go to her website at www.drstem.org. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmalatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. Before we went on break, we just learned of a new term, the teacup generation that we were discussing. And one of the um, inputs that I had said was uh, the teacup generation. She mentions it in a book I'm reading from part of um, her book that is called, it's titled The Resilience Formula. She talks about the teacup generation having difficulty with delayed gratification. And Doc, you had said that you wanted to elaborate on that and talk to us about the end and the grasshopper? Well, when uh, when I began talking about the ant and the grasshopper, and again, I want to emphasize that neither one is good or bad. The ant is, is very good because it helps us think long-term. What are our long-term goals and how it's really the way we think. And the grasshopper is there for survival mode. And we have those responses in survival mode to help protect us. So the grasshopper isn't necessarily bad, but it's being able to control and balance the ant and the grasshopper together. Now, when we, the way that our brain grows is, I, I always like to think about it as a jungle. And the experiences that we have, if we think as a baby having a jungle, 
And all of the experiences that we have, the language, the experiences going out, the thinking, create pathways through that jungle. And we choose by the experiences we have which pathways we're going to to forge and which ones we're going to clear. And we build our brain through clearing pathways through that jungle. Teenagers actually from about age 11 or so to 25, the brain goes through what I call the construction zone. And from starting at the back of the brain and going to the front, those, there are two things that happen. Number one, there's pruning. So areas that didn't get pathways through them sort of get pruned away. We mm. lose that part of the jungle. And the second is that those pathways that we did make get sort of paved over to make them faster. Um, if you think of a paved road as faster than a dirt road. Yes. So we pave through pave those pathways and make them more permanent, um, which makes it harder. We'd, our brain doesn't, doesn't change as quickly when we're older, but it can change a bit, and we can, we can make new pathways. Those, that prefrontal cortex, whenever we can build that up, whenever we can build up the ant, that is those pathways that think about what are our long-term goals. The pathways for the grasshopper are really are based on um, pleasure and pain, our, our immediate threats or rewards. And the grasshopper kind of wants everything now, whether it's, whether it's rewards or whether it's, um, whether it's, it's fighting the um, pain, the, yes. the threats. So as we are raising our children, as we are making choices ourselves, we are choosing when we're building pathways for the ant and when we're building pathways for the grasshopper. And it's really about balance. I'm not about an extreme one way or the other. But yes. when we choose to be sitting in the doctor's office and handing our kids the iPhone, uh, when, whenever we're waiting in line, if we hand our kids the iPhone and let them entertain themselves, the iPhone is kind of, it's a reward. So it rewards that grasshopper. So we're making choices that don't cause our kids to build pathways for the ant for delayed gratification, to get creative thinking about how they're going to um, entertain themselves. Instead, we're making a choice to give them the iPhone, which, which feeds the grasshopper. It's kind of like making a choice between having a healthy food, which feeds the ant, or having a chocolate bar, which feeds the grasshopper. The grasshopper, yes. yes. So... If we don't teach them to delay gratification, they don't learn. They don't get those pathways. So because the generation, you know, the, because of the generation gap as well, one of the examples that I might ask if you can discuss how the parents can react to this or how they can do with it. As you know, drug abuse is, you know, up on the rise with the teenagers, especially marijuana, because now in some states, they have legalized a certain amount of marijuana as medical marijuana. And these teenagers are going out and actually getting the cards for medical marijuana use that they can use it. And parents have no idea what happens when a parent finds out that their child is actually smoking marijuana because I'm, I'm just assuming and from experience that that triggers that grasshopper for the parent. How do they react using this resilience formula? 
Absolutely. I'm sure it would trigger that. And yes. the what I, what I come back to with the four S's and I, and my favorite line, both for my kids and for myself is, well, did your strategy work? If you get angry at your kids, does that strategy work? Yes. And most times it doesn't. So what we're looking for is going back to the four S's, self situation, support structure strategies. Okay. The situation is that they're smoking. Yes. What does that say about them? What is that? What are, the supports that they're using, did they come to you and say that they were smoking? Are they, are they looking to try to stop? And, and what we're looking for is a strategy that's going to work to help them. So it may be talking about this as this is a challenge. How can we help you in this challenge. And I think that for any kids to understand the way their brain is working and to be able to have the self-awareness to say, you know what, when I'm in the situation with these kids, I don't have a strategy to get me out. So this is what, why do you smoke? That's the most important thing. Is it because it feels good? Okay, well, let's deal with that. Yes. Is it because there's social pressure? Well, let's think of a strategy and a support to help you out here. It's rare that you can't figure out, and, and it may be because it feels good. Yeah. So we have to think about, okay, that's a grasshopper thing. So let's look at the long term. Let's look at how we can feed the ant here and how can we help you to understand. And most kids can't can't look at the long-term consequences. No, no, no. They don't understand that. Telling them that, you know, this is going to be bad for you in 20 years isn't going to help them. It's really not. So it's working on strategies to, and it may be, you know what, it's because you've, you've got a lot of free time here. What can we do with it? And as parents, one of the things that a lot of parents don't, aren't setting the limits. We're so, so many parents are afraid to set the limits. Yes. Yes. And I think for those parents that still have the younger children before they even become teenagers, rather than wait until, you know, your child is 11, 12, you know, and they're going into 13, and then you start putting boundaries, you start setting, you know, standards and rules, which will be more difficult because they're going to just be more rebellious to start when they're younger kids and, and, and set your limits then and start your education then. And I also would like to add, I think one of the things that, you know, I mean, the first reaction is they're going to be angry. That grasshopper is going to be triggered for most parents and they're going to be angry about it. Yes, you're going to be angry. One of the ways of getting your S's fulfilled is, I think, to get the help of a professional. Mm -hmm. Because that's what they're there for. They're the calm before or during the storm. If you go to a professional that can sit down with you and actually intervene and make it possible for you as a parent to find out why your child is smoking, why your child is using, and what it is that you can do to help. Because I think some parents, what they do is they try to say all those things in the midst of them being angry, that the message doesn't come across as caring and compassionate to the teenager. You're just coming out as an angry parent who's actually saying, no, you can't do this, so that's not supportive. Well, and almost as a, um, as a referee, um, <laughs> yes. sometimes the professionals need to be there because yes. parents can be so emotional. 
um, yes. with their kids, understandably. Um, but it's funny because we don't automatically we're um, we're afraid to set the limits, and what what kids are looking for is a limit. They feel better when they know that parents are controlling, and they will fight it. But I always find that when you set a limit, once a child responds angrily, they will come back and be so much better. Yes. And you'll, they'll respond so much more happily when you've set a strict limit. You're very right. And with those limits, I think part of it is, is there, some parents will come to me and say, well, you know what, I did set a limit, but they still went over that limit. And I ask, what was the consequence for not holding on to those limits or to being, you know, within the boundaries of what you have set up forth? What's the consequence if that doesn't happen and they don't have any consequences? I say, well, that's the problem right there. Because if you set those limits and you have your consequence of what's going to happen, let's say it's the iPhone, the iPad, and you sit down and agree with the teenager when you're not in the heat of the moment, and they know that if this happens and mom says, give me your iPhone and I'll take the iPhone from you, or I'll take this consequence from you, that you don't even have to ask or, or argue with them. If they break the rule, then there's a consequence and they know what it is and you take it away. But I think you're right. For most parents, they are afraid of that reaction. They are afraid to set that limit only because it's going to be uncomfortable. Right. The reaction is going to be uncomfortable. But you'd rather feel uncomfortable until your teenager recognizes that you're not playing, you are serious, and you are stuck to your boundaries, and this is what it is. It is what it is. With that, Donna, let me do this. We will be right back with the doctor who is in the house today talking to us about building resilience through everyday challenges. She says everyone faces challenges, and what is resilience? It is how we respond to those challenges. This is her description. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Change your world, change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The rise of women into society's most powerful leadership roles ranks among the most profound social transformations of recent decades. Leaders around the world realize that lifelong professional and personal developments are no longer an option. They are a necessity. It's time to excel. Dr. Stem is the personal and professional coach, trainer, and speaker who will take you from ordinary to extraordinary. To book one of her coaching sessions or services or purchase her books, email her at drstemmolatini at gmail.com or go to her website at www.drstem.org. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You 
you are tuned in to the Dr. Stem Show. To reach Dr. Stem or her guest, please call into the show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you prefer, you may send an email to drstemmolatini at yahoo.com. Now, back to this week's show. At the beginning of the show, I did mention uh, that Dr. Valpita has, um, she's the co-creator of the NEMTAGS education program. Dr. Valpita, could you tell us what that program is about, the NEMTAGS education program? Yes, that program is the education program for a nonprofit organization called One Revolution, um, which can be found at www.one.org. One-revolution.org. And One Revolution was started by a gentleman named Chris Waddell, who was paralyzed in college and went on to become the most decorated male Paralympic skier in the world. Mm. Um, when he retired from sport, he started the foundation, One Revolution, and asked me to help him create a, an educational program about resilience. And then he proceeded to um, climb Kilimanjaro, so he also became the first paraplegic to summit Kilimanjaro, and they did a documentary about his climb that is phenomenal. Um, the name tags program, Chris, right now he's the only person who gives the program, although we are going, planning to expand it, is an assembly program where he goes to the schools and tells his story, but it's more about name tags, having the the students understand and the message is it's not what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens to you. Yes. We all have name tags that we wear, whatever yes. those name tags are. Um, it could be athlete, it could be, could be anything, um, yes. but how we choose to handle that is our choice. Excellent. I like and that program. He is actually doing a West Coast tour this coming fall, so he'll be doing a tour from Seattle down to San Diego okay. um, by bike. So he is going to bike down from Seattle to San Diego, giving the Name Tags Education Program, and it's called the Who's Your Hero Tour. And then hmm. next, next fall, he is probably going to be doing a coast-to-coast tour by bike. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. He's, Amazing. He's an incredible program for yeah. for uh students. They they never forget it. It's amazing. Yes. Yes. I mean, just hearing it, it just, you know, sounds amazing. So I can only imagine if you're there live listening to him. Yes. He's yeah. he's so inspiring to the kids and he's just, he's a great guy as well. He's a very good friend of mine. Excellent. So in your book, I know you talk about scripting as a way to actively teach communication. Yes. Can you elaborate a little bit about that as well, please? Scripting, um, in the book, we talk about scaffolding, which is, it's really teaching. Whenever we're teaching anybody anything, we, we think about it as scaffolding, like a building scaffolding that you, you want to hold, hold somebody up and give them strategies and gradually take that scaffolding away until they can do the activity independently. So we think about biking and scaffolding for biking is first you, you hang on to the handlebars for your child and then you let go of one hand and then you're holding on to the back and then eventually you let go and they can bike on their own. The ideal of scripting is it's a form of scaffolding for communication. 
and for and a lot of our strategies are communication strategies social interaction and kids need to learn they need us to teach them social interaction so often we hear parents say use your words yes kids don't know what words to use yes so if we can literally feed them the words and say i want you to say this then they can say it back and they learn that scripting. It's, it comes from theater and they learn how to interact with one another. Um, and I love the example, and I used it in the book and I use it a lot when I talk, that if you think of those brain pathways, so often a mom will say, when a, when a little child says, I want a cookie, the mom will say, what do you say? And the, the <laughs> child will say, please. Yes. And what the pathway that they've learned is, I want a cookie. What do you say? Please. It's a call and response. If we don't teach them to say, may I have a cookie, please? Yes. They will never learn that. So instead of what do you say, if a mom says, may I have a cookie, please? And has the child repeat that, they will get that pathway. And scripting also works for changing the tone of voice. Mm -hmm. So when teenagers come back with that that sarcastic tone, being able to say, you may not talk to me like that, you may say, and repeating it back in a reasonable tone. Um, If we set that expectation and we give them the words to interact, they will do it. I think it will have to start when it's, it's still the two-year-old, you know, may I have a cookie, please? Because I can only see a teenager being told, well, you, you know, I, I'm not going to listen to you saying it that way. If you say it this way, then I may listen, especially at that time. I, I just can't even imagine how they're going to react to what the mother wants them to say. I think, if we to <laughs> it's, I think it's funny because people are always surprised that it works. Right. It's it's and I've done it with teens a yes. lot. Um and it, it is harder when you've started in one way and you're you're changing, but saying to your to your teenager, you know what? I listened and I'm learning I'm still learning how to parent and I'm realizing that you're talking to me in a way that's disrespectful and mm. I'm not gonna let you do it anymore. And so this is this is what we're gonna do from now on. When you are talking to me in an unreasonable tone, I'm going to say, this is what you need to say. And, and, I, and if they don't say it that way, I always, it's funny, that's when I <laughs> say to parents, that's when you get out your iPhone. That's when you say, you know what, when you're ready to talk to me in a reasonable way, then I will have this conversation. Yes, yes. And that's, that's when I take out my iPhone and say, you know what, I'll be over here because I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into this because it will get me into my grasshopper mode. Yeah. And I think the key term, if your parents are listening out there today or you're a teenager, it's having a conversation and having a moment of communication with either your parent or having communication with your parent. That's the key, the tone of your voice, the way that you say it. I know I, I said, you know, I can only imagine the reaction because what usually happens is the two grasshoppers are triggered at the same time. And the way that the mother says, 
says, you know what, you're not going to talk to me like that. The voice is raised and there's an attitude that's coming with that. And guess what? They're going to get another attitude back from the you know, teenager. And then, you know, they start the argument. But you're if the tone of the voice, right. yeah, if the tone of the voice, if you have been listening to this show, the way that we've been talking, I, I'm sensing Dr. Paul Peters, you know, tone as well as mine. It's a very low tone. We're speaking very, the monotone is very slow as well to say, you know what, I am not going to want you to listen to everything that I'm saying because I'm also open and willing to listen to what you have to say. That openness makes it a conversation and it can change the world. And yes, your teenager will be able to listen to you and actually change the way that they say something because of the tone of voice and the way that you as a parent are talking back you know, to them and having a conversation with them. Absolutely. And you say those conversations, yes. uh, many conversations, yes. all the time. Yes. Did yes. your strategy work? Well, let's see how we can make it work. And, yes. and every time the voices are raised saying, you know what, I can't, and, and I say it all the time to my mm. kids. I say, you know what, I'm in grasshopper mode. I can't talk to you. I can't, I will talk to you when I'm ready to be respectful. <laughs> I, and that's okay. Yes. It's yes. okay to say, yeah. I'm not ready to talk to you because I don't want to say something I don't want to say. And, the and same right now I'm angry. Teenagers, yeah. And the teenagers, if they're angry too, and they, in that mood, and they say that to you, be open to say, okay, we'll talk when you're ready. Yes, yes. absolutely. It's yeah. powerful. It is incredibly powerful, particularly when we, when we frame it in the sense of the brain. Dr. Volpeter, I'm looking at the time again. I, I have just lost my sense of time today because <laughs> this information is much needed. I cannot recommend, highly recommend this enough to you. As you can see, we had a whole hour conversation just based on the introduction of the book. I, I Literally the introduction of the book. That's all we spoke about today. A guide to proactive, not reactive parenting. So you can only imagine if you could have a conversation about the whole book and the suggestions that Dr. Vopita, you know, um, outlines in her book. It's a powerful book. It's a new way of parenting. You have new terms in there, the grasshopper. I'm in the grasshopper mode. It's something that you want to talk to your teenager when you're not in the grasshopper mode, when you're not angry, when your child is not angry. And that's why I'm recommending that you buy the book. You invite her to come into your communities. How can they get the book and where can they get in touch with you, doctor? The book is available on Amazon, so it's easy to order on Amazon. And my website right now, they can contact me at www.theletterresilient.com or on Facebook at yes. you, you Are Resilient. Um, but I am also in the process of rebranding, so I will be changing the name of my company eventually to um, re, uh, Center for Resilient Leadership. So that will be changing soon, but right now that will go through You Are Resilient. 
Excellent. Thank you so much for being on the show today. As she Thank said, she's so going much. to be, yeah, she's going to be rebranding, but don't worry if you just Google uh, her name, uh, Dr. Volpita, or Resilience, you just, you know, Google Resilience, you'll be able to find her name. But mostly this show that we have done today, which is a powerful show, is available for all of you to listen and recommend to your friends to listen about this new and powerful innovative parenting is what I call it. The show will be available for you on www.voiceamerica.com and you can just click on today's show and you'll be able to listen to the show Building Resilience Through Everyday Challenges. Thank you, Dr. Paul Peter. This is Dr. Stem Matlatini. Until next week, thank you for listening to the Dr. Stem Show. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Stem Show. Please join us next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 9 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another enlightening show. Have a terrific week.